In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Guys, we had a phenomenal interview several months ago with Brad Huddleston about digital cocaine, and he's back with his book, Digital Rehab. Guys, this is so important for us as parents to get this right with our kids. You're going to be blown away by the things we discuss about the digital world that our kids are inundated in. Hang on for the ride of your life. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. I'm Jim Ramos, your host and guide for today's show, leading you to your best version in the stress bubble of life and beyond. Before I introduce you to our guest of the show today, let me walk you through a hero story that I received actually yesterday morning from Jonathan Bonds on Instagram. And he writes this, hey, Jim and crew, thanks for all you're doing. Finding your podcast and joining Garrett and Jeff's group. So Jeff and Garrett are national team captains. He says, this has helped me immensely. I was a Christian man who was just going through the motions, going to church, reading the Bible, praying when it was convenient. You guys have helped me get on a narrow path, trusting and seeking our Savior daily, stepping up to lead and grow my family in the Lord and where he wants us in his ultimate will. So thank you. Man, that's so awesome, Jonathan. Thanks so much uh, for that great word of encouragement. Guys, remember when we use your hero story or your man law, which we'll share at the end of the podcast, hit us up at info at with your physical email address and we'll send you some swag. Guys, I'm excited to bring my buddy on. Uh, we had him on just a year ago, but he's come out with another book. And man, this stuff is like cutting edge. There's nobody out there that I know that is doing what he's doing. So I want to introduce you to my friend, Brad Huddleston. He's the author of The Dark Side of Technology, Digital Cocaine, which was a game changer for me. And now his latest book, Digital Rehab. Brad is an ongoing collaboration with the Bureau of Market Research and its, and its neuroscience division at the University of South Africa. He's been married to his beautiful bride, Beth. How many years now, Brad? 31. Oh, you got 31. me by one, you sucker. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, 31 years. They live in the Shenandoah, Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, in the heart of the Blue, Mount, Blue Ridge Mountains. I'm pretty sure that's the place where guns were invented. 
But a bit, <laughs> hey, how you doing, man? Great to have you on the podcast. Hey, Jim, <laughs> just love you to bits, brother. And I, I really appreciate you having me back. I want to show you uh, from the deer stand what these Blue Ridge Mountains look like. There's the sun coming up from the deer stand. And you can see the Blue Ridge there in the in the background. So, Well, hey, bro, I'm heading to Indiana tomorrow morning to speak at a church and yeah. kill an Eastern turkey. But I keep waiting for the invite <laughs> to go kill a whitetail in the Shenandoah Mountains, man. So I don't know what your problem you mean, like is. like one of these? Yeah. Oh, no, just no. The, I want his daddy. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I was just going to say, you know, I was actually doe hunting trying to fill up the freezer. It was a big body deer. But look, look at the look at the tenderloin on that thing. Oh, you know what? I got to stop right now. And I, I got to tell our guys listening, if you're listening to this audio, you guys need to go to YouTube, to the men, the men arena podcast on YouTube and, 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 and just see what he's showing me right now. So, <laughs> he was I'm, making, for, for those of you listening, he was making fun of my rackless buck. It wasn't really much to preach about. It was a big body deer though. Yeah. And then I showed the tenderloin. It was about eight feet long. Okay. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was a doozy. Well, you know, it's funny, man. I was just talking to a guy last night and he killed this little buck. He's a great friend of mine. And I, I just laugh because guys are funny. Whenever they kill a little buck, it either had a big body or it was reverting. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. ever says, man, I just killed this little buck. I had to get brown spay paint. And and spray the spots <laughs> off it before I took it home to Mama. <laughs> I know, but we cut the we cut the jawbone out because we're 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 managing the deer here, yeah. and I can't lie, it was only two and a half years old. So <laughs> hey, the, hey, my dad says you can't boil the horns. I'm gonna tell you what a two and a half buck is about as good eating as you can get. Yeah, that's right. But I look, I'll be honest with you, we our late season is coming up with a muzzle loader, and I my goal is to get I don't know three or four uh, ninety pound does. You know, that's my favorite. And then wow. oh, just load the freezer up. So that's what All I'm right. Well, I, I feel a men's retreat coming to Virginia <laughs> and I've got a muzzle loader that's itching to go do something. So, hey, let's we get into the show, care. man. So, All hey, right. uh, our guys know who you are a little bit, uh, but I want to I want to just I'm going to kind of. Not allow you to share your story because the guys know you, they can go back to our previous episode with you. I want to start off with a quote. Okay. You said this, you said, sadly, my global experience has shown me that most parents who see my presentations believe they and their children are the exceptions to almost everything I present. And then you said this, you said, I will repeat this a lot in this book. And then you, you, final, you finished up by saying, don't be one of these parents. So talk to us about why this is so troublesome and bothersome. I have observed this. The reason why I said that so many times is because close friends, Jim, people that have actually helped me with my ministry who have filmed for me or traveled and, you know, been in the audiences or, or worked with me in various capacities, heard me speak numerous times. Um, you know, I go to their homes and I never judge them. I, I love them, but their kids are being raised on, on the tablets. They clearly yeah. think their child is, and they'll say, they'll say crazy things like, oh, it's for educational purposes. And I clearly write about that to the educational. Yep. So at some point they just believe that it's not, their children are not that bad. And, and every parent believes that, and I'm not putting parents down for believing that what I'm just trying to do is open their eyes that your child is no different than any, than the bad children. What I mean by bad, not behavior, I'm talking about the brain is soft. It's underdeveloped. It is going to damage. And there's a, a huge push in Silicon Valley amongst some of those guys. You know, we covered this in digital cocaine where yep. Steve Jobs never even allowed his own children to use the iPad. And I have to tell parents, look, he loved his children, adored his children, not your children, his children. 
And uh, the only thing he wants you to do is buy the stuff. Well, now in this new book, I have, you know, followed up on that. There are one of the, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, one of the tech executives' wives said that the devil is in that phone. And I don't wow. think that they're Christians. So they, they don't even let, a lot of those are, are withholding the phones or giving their kids dumb phones, which is a good alternative. Yes. So I've just observed family after family that I'm close with, still close with. I don't put them down, Jim. But they are raising every parent that I know who, who's been involved with my ministry or heard me over and over again are raising their children with phones and tablets and computers. They agree with everything that I say. So the conclusion obviously is they think their children, they're going to be immune to it. Well, this is scary. So your book, Digital Rehab, this is not a light read. So Digital Cocaine is a book we can put in a, a dad's hands and he can rip through it and get some great tools. This book is technical. It's more of a textbook. And so I'm reading through this going, you are, you, this is like the Bible of digital rehab. I mean, this is, I mean, this is a, a phenomenal book. And so I just want to say that up front. So I want to, if a guy's like, I'm going to go grab this book. I'm like, grab it, but you better put your, you better put your reading glasses on, bro, because this is going to be a master's it's level thick. course. <laughs> so well, Jim, I, I'll I also wanted to say I, I'm I'm about 20 pages from from revising digital cocaine. Oh, so yeah, it's it's going to be re-released. -re I'm working with my publisher. To, they they might even pick it back up again um, because it's not finished. It's not run its course. So I went through and I'm about 20 25 pages toward the end and just revising, update updating some of the stats and things that were a little bit old terminology that was old. Most of it's still very relevant. If you've bought the book recently, there's totally. it's still there. But I just wanted to say that, you know, they we've been selling them as a combo because of the ending, giving the discount because of what you're Great saying. Great idea. Well, yeah. so, so, so let me, let me say this, Brad. So I have about once a week, a, a porn expert reaching out to our ministry saying, Hey, we want to come on your show, man. We've had 20 guys, 30 guys about porn, but you're the only digital, uh, digital rehab guy out there. So. Because you're the only guy out there. When you get that uh, digital cocaine uh, remastered, let me know. We'll bring you back on, and we'll okay. just take Thank a different you. angle. Because <clears throat> you're the only guy out there doing this that I know, and it's 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 leading to porn. It's leading to all these other things. You said something uh, early on in this podcast. And I want to go back and and check check my facts here. Did I hear you say soft brain? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm using you know layman's terminology what we're talking about when you come when it comes to children depending on the age their brains are not fully developed yeah none of ours is fully developed until we're 25 but you're talking about what they call sponge brain that's a real term uh -huh. where when they're very young they're taking in everywhere around the age of three and four and five you can teach them multiple languages uh and they'll get the accent perfect and at no other time will they get the accent perfect and their little brains will not compartmentalize those languages. They'll get them all mixed up. And then, then the brain goes modular when they're a little bit older, somewhere between six and eight, they start to really develop their per final personalities are starting to come out and miraculously, which you and I know why, uh, but the, the, the languages will all go in the box. The German will go in the German box, the English, wow. and the English box. but their brains are are in, in an extreme gym, an extreme state of development between the ages of zero and three, their brains will triple in size and the, the, the neuronic activity. Uh, I don't know if that's a word, but all the neurons that are growing um, and pruning and all those things that go on are 
it's unbelievable what's happening. And what we're doing with these devices, we are messing that process up and we're crushing creativity because we never allow them to become bored. And what is scaring me is there's no evidence that I can find that they can fully regain that. In other words, once you miss that window where, you know, their creative development is happening and all the brain growth is happening and they go from sponge brain to modular because we're overstimulating it with too much dopamine and other chemicals that cause the brain to, to not be in homeostasis. Uh, we have a bunch of children who are bored all the time because they are anhedonic. We covered that before where their brain mm -hmm. has become numb and then they have to have super stimulation even to get a, you know, a grunt out of them. And they're not interested in anything except the screen. And so what, what, what is scary is that we don't know, you know, once you do rehabilitate them, we know that the brain will repair to a great degree. Anybody can, there's always hope. And plus, yeah. if you're a Christian, there's always hope because Jesus heals. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to leave everybody in despair. I'm talking about back to your original question. When I talked about the sponge brain, where the brain is, is fragile and it is not, doesn't have the resilience that an adult's brain has. And you have to be very careful during that time not to overstimulate it. And of course, children who are abused, we all know what happens later in life. That stuff sticks with you mm -hmm. because of post-traumatic stress disorder and things like that. So what I was saying was our, you know, our little app with Peppa Pig and all this sort of stuff is not good for them. Yeah. And um, you shouldn't let them have it. So in your book, Digital Rehab, I the reason I asked about soft brain, I didn't know if there was a correlation between that and a soft human adult, because we're producing uh, the softest generation of adults that we've ever seen in the history of the world. And I didn't know if that was directly uh, affected by their digital minds and the dopamine but, dumps. Well, it is, but that's more of a developmental thing where, Jim, they, how many kids do we have that don't have fathers? Yeah. And uh, they're soft for that reason, because they've been in front of a screen. They've picked up the values of LGBTQ. They've been taught, you know, feminism where the man is uh, almost subservient to women. Mm -hmm. And you look at all the commercials. My, my wife gets so angry, Jim, because every commercial that has a man and a woman, the man is made to be a buffoon. And uh, the woman is the superior one. I was watching in the gym this morning, this woman just beating the crap out of this guy. And I'm thinking, man, I would slug her. I wouldn't slug a woman. Don't misunderstand. I'm saying if I we understand. got in the ring and we were actually putting the gloves on and, you know, it's portrayed that men and, and women are equal and I would not get in the ring with a woman. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I hear what you're if saying, though. If you were to do that, she would get crushed. That's all I'm saying. Oh, it would. I, I look at like Angelina Jolie in these movies. I go, I would destroy her. Yes, I would never course. touch a woman, but I'm like this portrayal. It's not about the woman. It's about the weak, soft portrayal of the man, but that's a whole nother podcast. It's another. So, yeah. so talk to me about, talk to me about this phrase, digital detox. And after explaining what that is, you, you said in your book, after explaining what digital detox is, I recommend you apologize to your children. That, mm -hmm. that was knowing you as a person. I thought that is funny. That is Brad Huddleston, baby. So talk to me about digital detox and the parents' role in this. It, we know how long it takes for the brain to begin to heal. And this is where, you know, I can't be a motivational speaker. I can't just wave some Joel Osteen wand over this thing and smile a lot, and it makes it all better. It just doesn't work. With your perfect hair. Sorry. Yeah, that's exactly right. And teeth, you yeah. know, because I'm from the Appalachian Mountains. Nobody yeah, they don't, they don't have them there. That's right. <laughs> So this is preempting you. I'm just, but, I'm uh, just messing with you. <laughs> I know that you are. I'll mess right. Back. 
You got good no, teeth, so, man. They're nice and shiny. You're good. You're good. I just come from the dentist today, actually. Oh, I can uh, tell, had them man. all fixed up. Yeah, but they were my aunts, but they did some tweaks in there. And made they were fit. your aunt's teeth? Right. Yeah, they're my aunt's <laughs> teeth. Yeah. yeah, that cedar wood <laughs> tooth that looks like a real tooth, man. Hey, don't, don't go there, okay? Uh, it, it hurts because she was a sweet lady to me. I just, <laughs> No, so uh, <laughs> what were we talking about? No, I don't know, man. Digital, no, no, digital I rehab. Digital it's for the parents' role. Yeah. yeah, what what happens is the brain, as we've discussed in the previous podcast, it, it becomes anhedonic. Basically, what's mm -hmm. happening is the dopamine levels have created resistance in the brain or tolerance. So you're addicted, which means you've built up, your brain's gotten used to it. And so in order for us to continue to be stimulated, you have to do more and more and more and more. You your head stays down longer yes. with the video games. The kids don't come out of the bedroom. The parents just give up and take the food to them. And it's because they they're at this point, they're addicted. And if they get away from it for even a short period of time, they begin to have withdrawals. The top symptom with digital is a tantrum or anger. So you yeah. take the phone away from the kid and they throw the fit. So here's what happens. If you're going to detox, we have to then repair the tolerance that has been built up. The dopamine levels are are causing the tolerance. So you have to go without it. And then the brain begins to repair. Now, that process is painful. It's just like cocaine and heroin addiction. So there's going to be withdrawals. There's going to be a physical pain. There's going to be a more emotional pain than anything. But the good news is, unlike the traditional drugs, where you have to really be careful and be monitored. No one dies from this one <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, unless unless they kill themselves, which a lot of people do when the yeah, parents yes. take away the phone, they, they will kill themselves. But in terms of repair, there's always repair. But here's the problem. It takes a minimum of four to six weeks for that to happen. And during that time, you cannot have any technology including television you have to plan this so in the book i lay out all the scenarios that i can where you know your job requires it or the the kids school requires them to use it so obviously you, you can't just read this book and do it all of a sudden you have to plan i give strategies for planning it has to be during vacations you have to ask for extra time off whatever you have to do and it has to be done as a family you know it used to be jim you might have one person in the family who gets addicted to alcohol or some other drug, and you send that person off for rehabilitation, a detox. Well, the problem is the average age of a video gamer globally now is 35. So there are more dads who are gaming than children. Yes. And the mothers are just as addicted to social media as the daughters. So you cannot, oh, more. as a parent, tell the children. Uh, that's right. And it's because they've been on social media longer. So you can't tell the, the kid, you know, do as I say, not as I do. The, the parents have to lead, which we have. That's a whole nother topic. We need parenting courses. And I mean that we desperately need parenting courses. Parents ask their children what they want to do. Yeah. They don't tell them what they but in you know i still have to be scriptural where the parents need to be the parents not their friend absolutely and so they lead the family so here's where the apology comes in this is where the parents have purchased the devices they purchased the game controllers they purchased the phones they're not evil people jim they don't know what they've done they did they did it in innocence and god's not mad at them at all no parent that i know of has purposely given brain damage to their children no educator Correct. who implemented one-to-one -one laptop and tablet programs at the school set out to give brain damage these were unintended consequences much like 
the doctors who used to promote cigarettes. And then all of a sudden people got cancer and those were the unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. So now we have all these emotional problems. We have anxiety disorders off the charts, uh, digitally induced ADHD and ADD. Now we've got cutting and suicide off the charts because strictly because of digital addiction. So what I tell parents is this, it starts with you and what you have to do. A lot of parents, what they do when they see me speak, they want to go home and just immediately throw everything in the trash and grab the stuff off of their kids. See, I told you that you shouldn't be addicted. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're the drug pusher. You bought the drugs and now you're ticked off that wow. the kids are addicted. Wow. That's you, a heavy you statement. You created this. Yes. But look, no, every, I, I agree with you. Well, there's no such thing as a, a, you know, a perfect parent. And look, it is so desperate now. I've just stopped being nice. I mean, I hug them, but you know, it's like, I, I'm nice when I say it, Jim, but the reality is you got to do something now. It's, it's so out of control with TikTok alone. I'm writing a book just on TikTok and, uh, and the LGBTQ, you know, recruitment and addiction levels with that is just off the charts. So what I tell the parents is you're going to have to sit the kid down and go, look, I have two apologies to make to you. Uh, One, I purchased these things and um, I haven't been a good example. So apology number one is I'm just as addicted as you are and you, we all know it. And I tell parents, look, if you don't say it, they will tell you. Yeah. So you may as well just admit it up front and say, look, I, I haven't given you, you know, my undivided attention. Um, and as a dad, look, I am gaming all the time and I'm on my phone all the time. We all know it. Apology number one, I have not led this family properly. And before God, I'm not your friend. I'm your parent. The buck stops with me. So my sincere apologies. I've got a lot of work on me to do. Mm -hmm. Now, look, God is, God is so happy when we do this, as you know, oh, and yeah. he's more than willing to help. So apology number two is, as your parent and not your friend, I bought this stuff. And my second apology is now I'm going to have to take it away. And I'm going to deal with my own stuff first. And then I'm going to deal with as a family. My second apology is, is that I, I have to deal with this because I'm your parent and I love you. I adore you. I would take a bullet for you. And what I have inadvertently done is given you drugs in the form of, of digital mm -hmm. cocaine and heroin. And now I'm going to have to take it away. And so that's my second apology. And for about three weeks, this is not going to be pleasant for any of us. And then after that, we're going to have to go an additional two to three weeks or neuroplasticity for the brain to heal and to, to start to change. And, and so my sincere apologies that I, as a parent, did this. I did not mean to. I bought into it just like every other parent on planet Earth, where we thought we had to get this into your hands at the earliest age possible. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't get a job and all that sort of stuff. But there are solutions to all of this. And so what we're going to do is hit the reset button. And it's called a digital detox. And my sincere apologies for not modeling this properly, for being addicted myself. And now I have to take something away from you that I've given you, but I'm going to replace it. So for the next four to six weeks, we're going to plan a, a holiday in here. I'm going to, uh, you can pick it. We're going to, we're going to go do what you love. It cannot involve technology, but whatever you love to do, if it's the amusement park, if it's fishing, hiking, whatever, we're going to do tons of that stuff. And we're going to distract ourselves as a family and uh, we're going to all be in bad moods for about three weeks, but we're going to fight that. And then after about three weeks, that'll subside. And uh, we're going to go through this book. That's what I would recommend, obviously, especially the second part, which is yeah. about maintenance. 
And we're going to come up with a family plan together based in neuroscience, based in medicine. And we're going to, with Jesus' help and only with his help and his power, we're going to fix this uh, by God's grace. So in a nutshell, that's the apology and then the solution. So I love what you said in your book. You said, it's not my intention to label all digital activities as digital drugs, but the truth is that many things that we don't consider harmful are, you know, and the Bible says, the Bible says, I'll be mastered by nothing, right? So all things are permissible, but I'll be mastered by nothing. And so this is really important for us as parents to say, you know what, I've got a problem. So now I'm going to ask you a couple of specifics here because I'm a little unclear on a couple of things when it comes to a digital detox. Mm-hmm. So are you saying, so do you replace the smartphone with a, with a flip phone? Cause how do they, are they, how do they, cause like my, in my household, for example, we don't have a landline. So how do they communicate in a digital detox situation? The, the dumb phone is such a good option. And listen, um, these stats are going to be close. They're not right in front of me, but um, this is approximately, this is almost correct. Yeah. <laughs> there are approximately 1.7 billion smartphone users. Wow. There has been a revolution back to dumb phones. Yes. And it's somewhere like 1.2 billion people have reverted now. So, you know, we almost have, you know, uh, close to, it's over 3 billion phone users, but it's approaching half and half now. So there's a phone, for example, and look, I'm not endorsing this. I'm not being endorsed, but it's called light phone. And basically it will, there's no smart part about it. You can make phone calls and you can text. And there are a couple other features that you would need for a business. But as far as the screen and all those things that are causing the addiction, it's not on there. Mm, That's awesome. There are boatloads of people that have gone back to the old Nokia was an 8110 or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can text, but look, with kids, texting is addictive for them. So you you can't even have that. But listen, a phone call, what's the number one thing that parents tell me? Oh, I got them a smartphone in case of an emergency. And then I say, well, get them a dumb phone. They just put their head down and walk off, you know, because they're not about to to put up with their kids. They don't know how to raise them. Most of them don't. They don't, they, they're too engrossed in their own activities. You know, they, they just don't want to deal with it. And so they don't. And so we need revival. And I'm yeah. going to show you some videos of that Agreed. in a few minutes Agreed. of why we need revival. But the um, whole issue, Jim, is that the it, it all st- rises and falls on parents. And the dumb phone has to become a serious option. But that will take care of the emergency. That will take care. And so the other the next one that I hear is that, well, all of my students or child's assignments from school comes through WhatsApp or comes through Facebook Messenger or they have their own platform, whatever it may be. And I'm saying, look, you're the parent. You, you, you have every right to go to the school and say, look, I appreciate the effort that you're doing to get these assignments to my children. And I don't mean to be a pain in your rear end. But listen, the fact of the matter is my child has emotional problems because of the phone. Yeah. So I'm I'm requesting respectfully that you work with me to make a phone call or type it up, print it and send the paper home or send it to my phone. Um, you know, but it, 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 there's got to be you just got to. And I put this in the book. There are creative workarounds. Absolutely. You know, you, you really, you can figure anything out. And the school, if you tell the school your child is being harmed 
I mean, they're oh, yeah. afraid of certain buzzwords and, and they don't feel safe. Just safe words. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and say you know you don't want it to lead to bigotry or something. And oh gosh, I'll get it to you. I'll, I'll, I feel you know, like I'm being discriminated against because I have yeah, a smart. I, I have a flip that, phone. Yeah, exactly. But just say you know, work with me to get the assignment. So you got to find the analog. The point is the analog workaround. So yeah, a, a, a dumb phone is essentially an analog replacement because when you're talking to someone, even though it's a digital phone. By the time it hits your ears, it is analog. And if your eyes are staring at a smartphone, that's the problem. Yes. And of course, all the temptations. So there are workarounds for all of this. The communication thing has is, is been well taken care of with dumb phones. And there's some really good options out there that put some business functions on there that takes away the addiction part. What's which the expense? I, What's the difference in expense? Uh, I think... The plan is probably going to itself. I don't know about the cost of the phones, the light phone to me, who cares if you just spent, you know, $1,400 for a new iPhone, I can promise you the old Nokia is going to be a lot cheaper. Well, than Well, I'm that. guessing it's got to be at least half, right? That's yeah, why I so, asked the question. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the light phone too, it, it's not going to be more than what you paid for your, you know, um, Samsung, you know, S 22 ultra. Um, it, it's going to be probably cheaper. And, um, and the plans, you know, the, pl the without all the smart stuff on there, the, the, the SIM cards are not very expensive, but I, I can promise you it's not going to be any more than what you're paying now. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a great idea. So, so, you know, we've, you, you talked about education. We've seen a lot of changes in this country in the last three years. So my question is this, when you do a lot of work in South Africa, you're very, right. you're very collaborative over there. Have you seen a difference in America, the American mindset regarding the digital stuff as opposed to, let's say, South Africa? How, how are the people there? How do they respond to your message? What if, is there any, change, any difference at all? Well, let me just show you. I just, I just came back. It was November, like the 6th or something. But, you know, this is what happens when they advertise my uh arrival and and these are the schools these are government schools public schools wow and and i lead children to the lord and uh they're glued so what happens here when they find out that i'm coming i mean i had one pastor it's been years ago he said look our congregation loves you. Just don't announce on your website or on the radio, because at the time I was on the radio, don't announce what your topic is. He said, I know my people, they won't come. And he said, just tell them you're coming and you're going to bless them. And so the church was full that morning. But as soon as I started talking about the very things I'm talking to you about, it just created havoc. Wow. And so the difference is, you know, and, and I want to show you something else. Several years ago, Jim, um, before COVID, I was at a, a, a large church in, in one of the cities. Um, it's called Potchefstroom, and they really reach out to this university called Northwest University. So on the final night, I did five-part series on pornography. Get this, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And the reason they had me do this is because they were having children being brought into the counseling mm -hmm. department for porn addiction. Now, unlike here where you hide it, they just came out with it. Yeah. And so by the end of the, the week, 
they dedicated all that time to we filmed it that's where the pornea series is that i have on my website you can get it streaming on dvd but we filmed it there because i would never get by with doing mm -hmm. you know that much of it here or much less a sunday morning so um i just want to show you a little clip from the pornea series on the final night when i led approximately 600 of these students to the lord and wow. then the repentance that was going on at the university so here's what was happening uh during the altar time the invitation um, so for those of you just listening you can clearly see there's been an outpouring of the spirit of god over about 1200 people and they're not moving hardly except for their hands froze again it's incredible and there's a manifestation of the lord there's conviction and there were tears you know it was genuine conviction we call that yeah, revival for sure and whenever there's repentance so what i'll do is i'll stop that and i want to contrast that now again that in all fairness that was done pre-covid but yeah. i have video footage from just last month uh, of another church where university students same thing to message on pornography and all this digital stuff that i do their hands were raised the presence of the lord was there i came home last month and i went to a christian college here in the states i won't name it uh th they've had me twice they're having me, they're going to have me back because they they really like me and they asked me to speak on pornography but i want to show you the contrast on how the students reacted just a month ago at the christian college here my wife was wow. filming. She was filming from the balcony. And as I started talking about LGBTQ, they mocked me. They laughed at me. When I started talking about video gaming, they pulled out, they pulled out their phones. They were wow. playing video games the whole time I was speaking. And you don't see any worship. You don't see any participation. They're just sitting there like lumps on a log. And this just goes on and on. And you can see them playing games. You can see them on social media. And um, that was the, well, the, when I was there before, 80%, we estimated, were on their phones. This time, I'm not sure, but you can see most of them were. And these are Christian students, Christian school. Well, it's a Christian school. Wow. Whether or not they're saved, I'll leave that up to you. No, I hear like you. Too hungry to God from, from, from you know, I didn't look like it to me. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, look, and, and, and they do have percentages where they want to, where they recruit non-Christian students to reach out to them and i respect that uh, and i get i presented the gospel but nobody heard it i mean yeah for sure you can clearly see what they were doing yeah so th that's the contrast and so i'll just conclude with this jim i did a split screen just to summarize this no audio to it so you know on the left is the u.s and on the right is south africa so wow. to answer your question that is same message same message and there's the response from the two different countries and it's not to say that, you know, I will name one school here. Um, it's not this way at every Christian school. Um, I was out at Colorado Christian University and mm -hmm. had a response similar to the one in South Africa. So they're not, I don't want to paint the whole country that way, but I'm afraid most of them are that way, to be honest with you. There's just a coldness. Uh, not very many have that level of lack of respect. But because I would guess of the sheer number of non-Christian students that were at this Christian college, when I started talking about LGBTQ, there was there was a, re, a very negative reaction toward me. You could tell they were, and it shocked the school uh, because they asked me to speak about it. So they're they're going to have me back to deal with it in smaller groups.
So hats off to the school. They they want to do something about it. Most mm-hmm. schools are afraid of their their students, but oh, um, yeah. this one's not. So I don't want to paint paint it as a total negative because it wasn't. The 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 administration's behind me 100 percent and they're they're concerned about what you saw. But that's the difference typically. And of course, here I'm no longer allowed in any public schools at all. Once um, you know, I showed you the picture there of the public school in South Africa. I go into public school after public school. They're just now starting to clamp down. So I was on my way to the, the school. I'll just show you the school. I was on my way to this school in South Africa, and we had a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, like I just showed you uh, at the university. And I got this, I received this message saying, we've Googled you, and we see that you are not pro-LGBTQ. You are not allowed to talk about it at all. It's because the curriculum is just now starting to come into their government yeah, schools, like yeah. having the fights here. And um it turns out it wasn't the administration that left me that message. It was turned out it was a couple of um, gay teachers who just took it upon themselves to do it. It's always a small group that does yeah. that. But so there's this urgency for me to get, I'm writing a book now on identity for them to saturate the schools that I go into because that's where the attack is, but that's another story, but that's the difference. They still have hunger there. And in the Philippines, Australia's flat, it's dead. I go, I'm getting ready to go back there as well. So, um, but I mean, I have favor. Don't get me wrong. Um, they have me and I'm, I'm booked up solid, but it's compared to the countries, you know, South Africa, the Philippines, um, and, and some of the countries in Asia, it is, it is hard. It is hard here. I, I, I go away and get my batteries full and I come home and they get drained. So, yeah. Well, and, and I, <clears throat> you, you made a, an interesting statement and you've made it several times that parents are afraid of their kids. In your book, you wrote this, the majority of the world's value system is coming through the screens right under our Christian roofs. Right. Those phones, tablets, and computers are acting like a kind of Trojan horse, sneaking secular humanism past the gates of an otherwise godly home. That is, um, that is a major strike against the Christian family, and I agree 100%. Our job is to parent our children. Men, if you are listening, you are the parent. They are the child. I don't know what else to say to that. You are the parent. They are the child. So I want to walk through a couple things because, you know, some guys are listening to this. They're like, man, my kids are 16, 17, 18. You know, some are saying, hey, my kids are six months, one year old, two years old. So can you talk about this? You know, do you, do you recommend weaning? Uh, a family off digital, or do you recommend cold turkey do the digital detox? What's your recommendation? You talk about this on page one fifty six of your book. Well, the the vast majority, I looked into that in depth with the clinics around the world, uh-huh. as well as here the few that are here in the U.S. The vast majority, it's cold turkey. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. Yeah, the 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 clinics. You know, there are two hundred. Well, doctor. Nicholas Cardaris says there are 400 digital detox rehabilitation centers in South Korea. I've been there. At the time I was there, there were 200. He says that's been updated to 400 now. So a lot of the research goes on there, obviously. And in China, China has a massive problem. The the difference is the government there just cut it off. Totally. Um, But what what here in the U.S., um, there's only one Dr. Cardaris whom I respect tremendously. He's done a lot of fantastic work in this area he believes in weaning but let me explain the difference 
if the electricity were to go out suddenly, Jim, there would be there not be enough hospitals to take care of all the detoxing people. So what my book is for is for families to walk through this journey together. And and that's the model that my book uh, has, because that's what most people would have to do. Because if you went to Dr. Cardaris's clinic, most people, unless you're very wealthy, you wouldn't be able to afford it. So, yes, you could wean if you went there and there was a team of people, you know, managing everything for you, all Mm -hmm. of your technology, all that sort of stuff. Weaning would would work, but um, it would just slow the pain down, really. So what I say in the book if you believe in weaning, because I get that so much and people push back, I say, fine, for the first part of the book, read these chapters and start your weaning process. And then I say, but eventually when you get halfway through the book, you're going to have to go cold turkey. There's going to yeah. come a point when you're going to have to go cold turkey. So if you think that will work for you, um, try it, but cold turkey is what's going to cure you um, for sure. So um, that's what I recommend is that you you plan it and start your weaning process it's because what you do the beauty of trying to wean i don't think anybody can to be honest with you the beauty of it though is that you're preparing yourself mentally Mentally. so you read these chapters and you're gonna you need to prepare yourself mentally i I think what you're going to find is it's a lot harder than you think so you're going to say okay i'll watch just two episodes and then four episodes five episodes later you realize well i just can't quit there's just going to have to come a point when you just shut it off and then you just grit your teeth and you go hunting. That's what I would do. Um, just, <laughs> you know, I would just go shoot something. Um, it, it targets anything. A couple of the neighbor's pets. No, I'm just kidding. Only the cats. <laughs> Amen. So, so that's where we are with this, Jim. And it, I make no bones about it. This is for men. I mean, this mm. is not for sissies. The, the detoxing is not for the lacy to underwear it just is not going to work yeah and to speak to the men because we are speaking to men dads if i could sell this to you i just want to say what you saw in the video there or what i was describing for those of you that are just listening with all those you know 1200 kids with their hands raised there's no greater satisfaction for a parent to see their child hungering and thirsting and walking in the ways of god and the satisfaction of watching the giftings and the call of God come on your child and to see God's destiny being fulfilled, you, you can make all the excuses as to why they should be able to play games a little bit and all that sort of stuff. But man, when you see, and I don't even have kids, but I feel like I've got about 1.3 million of them, Jim. And they come to me all the time. We've had them in our home and I walk kids through, you know, porn detox all the time and things like that. And even me, who I'm more of an uncle, you know, but just to watch them flourish and to watch God get a hold of them. And when I finally detoxed, Jim, I'll tell you what I discovered. I discovered I could write books. And, and as a result of that, I'm on your podcast, number one podcast on Spotify for men. I am going all over the world and and i'm I'm just a little redneck from virginia and uh and i'm serious i discovered i could write books and people would actually read them you know what my regret is don't you why didn't i do this a lot earlier you know so with your kids there are repressed 
repressed gifts that God has put in there and it's being repressed with digital noise and with addiction. And dads, if I could sell this to you, you man up and look forward to this. Don't dread this. This is not a bad thing. God's not mad at you. In fact, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit will come on you to be a dad, to take care of these things. And there's this whole new world out there with God and then with your children that will just blow your mind. And how many of those kids that were in that auditorium that I showed you say kids are college kids? Yeah. You know, they go home changed. I'm sure their parents are a bit freaked out, some of them, but the ones who've been praying for them for years, can you imagine what's going on in their hearts when they come home clean and they've got this whole new direction and all of a sudden they're changing majors because they want to major in Bible now or something like that. Who knows? So dads, uh, this is not a bad thing. I'm not chastising you because you're addicted and you haven't raised your kids the way you should to this point. You know, the whole point of grace is the start over thing. And I've had to start over. That's how I can give it to you. And mm -hmm. I, I wish I would have done it sooner. But dads, just, yes, get the lace off your underwear and all that. But look <laughs> forward to it. Seriously. <laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm thinking about this and writing this down. You know, when my kids were in high school, there are three sports or three seasons, athletic seasons a year, right? Fall sports, yep. winter sports, spring sports. One of my sons played all, all three sports, all four years. Another one did all but two. Another one did all but like six. We had out of 36 potential athletic seasons between the three boys, my sons were involved in 31 of them. And we told them if you weren't involved, one of the kids uh, ended up doing uh, something else active. It wasn't a sport, but we're just going, this is so important. And I think part of the problem with dads is, well, I think part of the problem is not dads is families raised with no dad. That's a massive problem. But for those yes. families where a dad is in the home, we have a responsibility to, to partner along with our wife and say, hey, listen, you're going to be an active kid. I was looking at that video of the American kids in a Christian school. I'm like, man, there's three quarters of those kids were 40 pounds overweight. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there's a correlation there, right? And so yeah. we, have to, we have to help our kids to uh, be their best version. And when we allow this Trojan horse into our house and, and even off our last podcast about uh, digital cocaine, you know, um, my kids get mad at me now because I'm not available in the morning on the phone because I have my phone in my truck, you know, and when I sleep, I sleep unless my wife's driving home from the airport, she's a flight attendant. That phone is not there and it's off type of thing. And then the other deal is the tax task switching. Uh, yeah. We were talking offline. I'm like, man, I've been tired lately. And you, I was, re I reminded, I've went back to task switching and not focusing on one task at a time. And so these are very important things. So here's what I want to do. I want to get in the brain of one of my dads and they're going, okay, I've got kids this age, this age, this age. And uh, you talk about this on, in your book, you talk about, okay, if you have kids at this age, here's the, here's what the screen time looks like. Would it be easier for you if I told you what you said, or if you just want to lay it out on, do you, do you remember it? Cause it's a huge book. Yeah. Just get me started. I'll get you started. And I had a doctor write some of that. If you recall. Okay. So. Yep. That's right. So you said this, okay, dad, you said, dad, if you've got kids in the home under three years old, Nothing. no screen time, that, Nothing. that no screen time, let that kid learn Spanish, let them learn English, let them learn French, let them learn Portuguese. Yep. Uh, but no screen time. Okay. 
So three to six years old. Now, this is my granddaughter now. So you said no personal device or access and only a single brief under 30-minute educational program once or twice a month. So walk me through why. The reason is because their brains, as I mentioned earlier, are yep. underdeveloped and they are prone to hyperstimulation at a level that we're not. So they don't have the resilience to resist. So what is clear, uh, Dr. There's a, there's a Dr. Uh, Christakis is his name. He did a lot of work in this area. Do you remember the old videos, Einstein videos that were on VHS? I was not a video or a gamer ever. Well, they were old VHS tapes where the, the, the whole shtick was you get these videos and you show your children these, these videos and they'll turn your ch child into an Einstein. Well, here's what they found wow. out about. They were educational. They were, they were educational. They were, but in order to hold the children's attention span, they were all quick cuts. So the child was not on any one subject for any length of time to actually learn. And because of the quick cuts, the dopamine levels were so high that they ended up getting addicted and they were not learning anything. They were being mesmerized. Now that was in a VHS. Wow. Tape. Imagine what Peppa Pig is doing. And so that's, that's the crux of the issue with, with a child. So to the dad who has the children with all the various ages, the best thing that I could say to you is that hit the reset button with a detox and then read the book and go through those ages that Jim, you were just talking about. And really that once or twice a month, if, if it were me uh, and the doctor that, that wrote that, by the way, I started getting these orders from Richmond, Virginia, and then I get this phone call from a doctor and he goes, you getting orders from down here? And I went, yeah, thank you. He goes, well, after I heard you speak, when when parents come in here and they they want medication, I make them read your book. And then they have to, <laughs> I love it. And then at first, and then they have to do what you say, and then you, they, I bring them back. And you know, fair enough, they need it. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it's all there in the book. So basically, what I would limit my definition of limit, you know, to that once or twice a month for only thirty minutes would be a Zoom call or a Skype call or a FaceTime call to grandma. That's a legitimate use, um, but no, no uh, education because it's not going to happen. And yeah. so th th to say that they should never, ever, ever look at a screen, I would not say that. I, I think if grandma lives across the country, you should stay in touch with grandma and use FaceTime. Here's the, here's the illustration that I give, Jim. I've had boatloads of people come to me uh, asking me, and this is what we put in the book, asking me for prayer for porn addiction, video game addiction, addiction, social media addiction. No one has ever come to me and said, Brad, would you pray for me? I'm so addicted to Microsoft Word. I just can't stop oh. typing. So there are some of these things like Zoom. We have a thing called Zoom fatigue. And that, that term was coined during COVID. No one really wants to spend any more time on Zoom than they have to. But this is a fantastic fantastic use of the technology what we're doing right here it's a great use of the technology nobody gets addicted nobody gets addicted to microsoft word only a handful of accountants have confessed to me they're addicted to excel oh my gosh <laughs> i pray for them but but the average user they don't so what i do is i draw this in the book i put you, you saw these graphics there's pictures for people who don't like to read 
So I put all these icons on there or the names of the icons. You know, you got you got Facebook, you got Fortnite, you got Minecraft, you've got Zoom, you got Google Classroom, you know, you got everything, porn, YouTube, all these on there. And if I were to apply that verse that says, um, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean things, and then I will receive you. I separate that screen with an animation during my presentations. Mm -hmm. And on the left are all the things that are causing the bad brain scans that I yeah. show, which would be pornography, Fortnite, Minecraft, on and on. But on the right would be Word, Zoom, the things that we get in, but we get out. Now, yeah. technically, you can get addicted, but typically they're not overly excel you know accelerating the dopamine production but they are very useful they will get you a job they will record a podcast that will help god willing thousands and thousands of people but it's the stuff on the left that we have to stop touching that are unclean so that's that's how i draw that distinction and so for a child especially even the good stuff you know a child the problem jim even with with grandma a child is so tender their brains are toward that screen mm -hmm. I would go so far as to say, and it's not going to be true for every child. Most children will, are not even hearing grandma. They're mesmerized by that screen. Oh, totally. And the little things that are going on. And so a parent would have to, if you can honestly say that your three or four-year-old, five-year-old is actually engaged with grandma and having a deep conversation with her, I'd say let them use it for the 20 minutes that you're going to talk to grandma. But if they're just staring at the screen and wanting to poke at things, you know, and, and they're really not paying any attention to grandma you shouldn't let them have it at all. I hope well, that gives you. Some yeah. Guidance. And I appreciate that. Cause if, I mean, I think our audience is in agreement, like three to six year old, no personal device and extremely limited now, six to 12 year old. Now you're getting into preteen preteen. You're still saying no personal device or access, which I personally agree with. I do not think a 12 year old should have a, a thousand dollar drug in their hand that they have full access to that they did not pay for. They are not paying for uh, monthly. They, and, and they have, first of all, it, it's a bad parenting move because you're spoiling your child. Second of all, you're getting them addicted to a digital drug. And so right. I appreciate this. You want to add anything more be, for the six to 12 year old? Yes, I do. Um, what I want to do is I want to show you some, some statistics. If I may, there were, um, New statistics that came out in May of this year. Yeah, we're still in 2022. From Arizona uh, Christian University, and their, I think it was their research department, but they came out with these stats. In the U.S., they did a deep dive on the state of our pastors here in the U.S. Only 37% of them have a biblical worldview now. Oh, I would agree with that 100%. So the numbers are very clear, but what is shocking is when the Barner Research Group and the um, Impact 360, which are Christian organizations that do research, when they researched the current group, Gen Z, the millennials, which many of them would be their parents, the numbers were absolutely shocking. So what I'll do is I'll put these up on the screen for you. So here's what came out um, from Arizona State Christian University, you can clearly see uh, only that 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 would be one hundred little pastors there. Only thirty-seven percent of them have a biblical worldview. So let me show you this: one in six of our Gen Zers now 
are identifying in some way with LGBTQ. And then um, as far as how many are now claiming to be atheists, and this is Barna, you're talking about 13% of the Gen Z are full atheists. Now they all have worldviews, but they're just not biblical. But what is really disturbing is this one. Let me walk you through this one. This is the Barna and Impact 360 Institute. Of the Gen Zers, those born from 1997 to 2012, only 4% have a biblical worldview. Wow. Now, they have a worldview. It's not biblical. The well, it's, inter- born- it's intersectionality. That's what they're well, following now, right? So, and Well, they're following. I mean, look, they're following. You name it. But this is where I wrote. They're under our Christian roofs. They're yeah. in our Christian schools. Yep. But they're tethered. They're tethered outside and so biblically um they have a worldview but it's not a biblical one so the millennials those born from 81 to 96 only four percent but it doesn't get any better the gen xers those born from 65 to 80 1980 only seven percent and the boomers those born from 46 to 64 only 10 percent have a biblical worldview and so they're in our christian homes but because we've allowed them to be tethered you know, kids are on their phones an average of 12 and a half hours a day. That's an average, some more. And and if you put them in their, you know, if, if their devices in the bedroom, when they wake up in the middle of the night, that's what they're checking. It could go way high. So the LGBTQ, the reason why those students at that Christian college really, really mocked me when I started talking about the biblical worldview of LGBTQ is because even though they're at a Christian college, they are watching TikTok and Instagram, and that ideology has gotten into their their spirit, Jim, in their spirit. They are a, attached to it in such a way that they didn't even have the respect to just be quiet and still agree with LGBTQ. They vocally, because what yeah. are you taught with LG and the woke crowd? You scream, you shout down. Yeah. And that's what they were doing. And so we we have a we have a terrible problem. And when you trace all of this back, it's social media, Jim. It's the phone. It's the smartphone. Oh, and so that, we, it's that coupled with education. I yeah, mean, exactly. Education plays a massive role. So I want to. We're running out of time here, so I do want to walk through this a little bit. So you've got a six to twelve year old, no personal device or access. I agree with that. Uh, twelve to fourteen years old, still no personal. So here's my take, man. I don't think a kid should have their own personal device until at least 16 years old. That's my personal opinion. So, And I think you agree because you say uh, 12 to 14 years old, still no personal device or access, um, up to two hours uh, daily for academic work. And then at 14 to 16 years old, you're saying, okay, and I would say more on the 16 years old, hey, if you're if you're responsible enough to get a driver's license, then you're responsible enough to get a job then you're responsible enough to pay for your phone yeah. on some level, right? So uh, you you can pay the monthly. If you want a, a flip phone, I'll buy the flip phone. If you want a smartphone, you pay for the, you pay the price, you pay the monthly fee. So you're kind of, I think we're pretty close to alignment here. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this 14 to 16 year old? Well, Dr. Ted Henderson was the one that actually wrote that. Okay. And so in his clinical practice, he was the one that saw me speak started implementing my book into his practice. And I asked him to write the chapter on that, on how he is actually handling, because he's frontline, you know, so am I. 
But I mean, we're talking at least I get to stay here for a couple of days and, and go hunting. He's dealing with this every single day. Yeah. So his take was what you just read. And I respect that. But what I have been recommending is what they do in Silicon Valley. Most of those guys out in Silicon Valley, not most, but a lot of the tech executives from Google, Apple, Yahoo, you know, Hewlett Packard, all of them, they're sending their kids to Waldorf Steiner. And so they have no technology at the school until they're between 12 and 14. And then they ask wow. the parents not to have it at home. And these are the guys and that so, are inventing the technology. Yes, they don't. <laughs> and that's that's what I recommend. So you don't have it at home. You don't have it at school. And, and then at, between 12 and 14, they introduce the things that will get them a job. But those are the things that I've, when I painted that mental picture for you a minute ago, theater of the mind, the stuff on the right side of the screen, the Google Classroom, yeah. the Excel, the PowerPoint, things that you don't typically get addicted to. I mean, technically you could, but really nobody does. That's what they're teaching them so that, and and it, and I quoted in the book, it's those <laughs> from Waldorf Steiner's own website. It's those kids that go back into Silicon Valley and run everything. And it's because mm -hmm. their brains have been, you know, preserved. So uh, Bill Gates' daughter was only allowed 45 minutes a day. And once she became a teenager, so everybody's going to have a different take. If it were me, if it were me. By the time they get into high school, meaning 12 to 14 years of age, I would allow them academic work, as Dr. Henderson said. But I tell you what, I would pay someone or do it myself to sit there and watch them because their prefrontal cortex, this is where the brakes are. So, so in their brains, the dopamine is like the gas pedal. And, and it's, I mean, it's pedal to the metal, brother. Yeah, for sure. And then the brakes are up here. Well, they don't have brakes because you're not going to have those till we're about 25. And it takes an adult to sit there and watch them so that they don't task switch or multitask where they're going to go off and look at their TikTok feeds and all that sort of stuff. If they were my kids, they wouldn't have TikTok or Instagram. They wouldn't Absolutely. have social media at all. They wouldn't have it. So there would be a computer that sits in the in the living room that with somebody, whether I have to pay someone or between Beth and me splitting the time, whatever, I would just watch them. I would make them monotask. I would want to know what they're going to do uh, on the screen for math, for English history, whatever it is. And then once they're done with that, they're off and it wouldn't be any entertainment. I'm just, I'm just saying I recommend no entertainment. That's where the problem is. The entertainment needs to be analog. It needs to be human to human contact. It needs to be guns, knives, tennis rackets, golf clubs. You know, soccer's not a sport, but hey, if you really need to kick something, kick a soccer ball. If football. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, if I, you don't use your hands, I don't know how it could be a sport oh, or whatever. I just don't know how it could be a sport. <laughs> so, no, I just thought I'd throw that. Well, yeah, but, but you know what's funny, though, Brad, what you're saying, and, and this is, this is, and you see this, you just see the body type differences in, in teenagers. You know, it's you're teaching your children to be active and not passive. Right. And, and here's the other thing from a Christian standpoint, and you didn't address this yet, but there is a biblical stewardship component where we are responsible for the time we spend on this earth. And as parents with kids in our home, we are responsible for their time. And if they're wasting hour upon hour upon hour st staring blindly at some screen, we and I'd look at my own personal life because we have a massive social media following. I I'm very, very extremely limited on my social media. I just very limited in that because. Because I've recognized that if I if I live on that realm, it kills me. So my I have very limited blocks of time where I'm there. Right? Does that make sense? Because yeah. I realize, first of all, I can't task switch. Second of all, 
it can become a horrible, horrible time waster. And yeah. so this is a big, this is something for, so uh, unfortunately, there's so much in your book, Brad, and I, I'm so thankful for what you do. We are like backed up against time here. So I'm going to just give you one final thing. Like, tell us, tell me one final thing that, that you're, you want to say to parents, and then we're just going to bring you back on in a year from now and do it again. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Jim. Do this parents um, with yourself first and then with your kids. Find out where their hearts are. Mm. And you do that mm. by checking their phone and what their history is, especially their playlist. Go to the music playlist and then look at the lyrics and then look at the apps that they have and observe them. Don't, don't judge them, but just observe what they talk about. Just listen very carefully of what their conversations are. And you may have to eavesdrop because they probably aren't talking to you. But just listen and then grab their phone, check their playlist and look at their history. See what, see where they're spending their, their time mm. and look at their emotions over time and watch what they react to and how they react and why they react. And you'll find out where their intimacies are. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to get them to Deuteronomy chapter six, that when you rise up, you're talking about the word of God. When you walk along in the middle of the day, you're talking about the word of God. And when you lay down to go to sleep, you're talking about the word of God. And the goal of every parent by God's design and by God's instruction is Deuteronomy chapters four, five, and six, especially six. And grandparents are included in that. I was fortunate that when my grandparents divorced, my grandparents or my parents divorced, my grandparents raised me spiritually and i learned more about walking with god in the word of god sitting at grandma and granddaddy's kitchen table year after year day after day than i ever did at bible college and that's how it should be now we didn't sit around and talk about the pentateuch and the jdep hypothesis it wasn't that it was how to walk with god and how to know god mm -hmm. and and the scriptures and that's what our whole lives centered around that's what we've got to get back to not how close can we, you remember Jim, when we were dating, we wanted to know how, how far we could go. Oh yeah. Well, that's exactly what we're doing with our adultery, with our devices. We want to know just how far we can go yeah. with our devices. And what we should be focused on is our intimacy with God and how deep in him we can go. And the rest of that will tend to take care of itself. Yeah. I appreciate that. There is so much here. Dads, there's so much here to, for you to absorb. I just want to say this. If you're if you're a dad with kids and you have not set boundaries or margins for your devices, you it's not an option. You have to do it. I'll add one more thing as a as an assignment. My wife and I have open access to each other's devices. She can look at my device, I can look at hers, and and if and our kids aren't in the house anymore, but and our kids we they didn't have smartphones when our kids were in the house. That was just kind of happening, but you have to have open access to all devices period. And so start there, uh, get uh, anything written by Brad Huddleston. Guys, this is a uh, monumental groundbreaking stuff. You know, we've been trying to catch up with this digital age for years. And finally, in Brad's work, we're catching up to it. So yeah, just how can these guys get a hold of your stuff, Brad? Jim, uh, at the moment, bradhuddleston.com. Everything's available at bradhuddleston.com. Uh, soon things will be uh, on Amazon. 
Uh, we're working through that. I'm published, so it won't be long before globally things will start to roll out in South Africa, Australia, okay. and, and other countries. But for now, here in the U.S., bradhuddleston.com, and thank you for that. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on, and it looks like uh, I'm on a every year I get you on roll. So we don't want to have you on too much, but just enough so the guys, because this is some good stuff, man. And and when I bring you on, it helps me because I'm like, oh, I forgot to do that, or I've allowed this to slip back into my life. So, Brad. You're doing some great stuff for the kingdom, brother. Sure appreciate you, man. And hopefully we'll be able to see each other face to face sometime. Yeah. And I hope so, Jim, with guns in our hands <laughs> instead of game controllers, that would be a much better thing. But look, I, I love you, appreciate you. <laughs> and I can't look, I, I sing your praises everywhere we go, Jim, because you uh, you are really on the cutting edge. And I we we really do. Well, I'll tell you. you something, bro. You know, it's funny. I mean, I I feel the same way you do about TikTok, but we're like, hey, these people need Jesus. So we've got a video on TikTok right now on marriage. It just hit 5 million views. That's good. So we're out there uh, in the belly of the beast, brother. <laughs> yeah, you are. Hey, God bless you. Have a great yeah, you uh, too. time. We'll see you soon. Have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you. All right, bro. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for waiting to hear the man law of the week. Our man laws are supplied mostly by you, and so keep hitting us up with those man laws. I also want to let you know that in the next couple months, we're going to upload my book, Man Laws, 100 Ways to Lose Your Man Card and Rules to Live By. This is a great book. It's funny. It's serious. It's contemplative. You're really going to love it, guys. So here's a man law this week, and it is this. If you are ever breaking a man law, don't ever offer up that you are breaking a man law. It's if somebody wants to say that you're breaking a man law, let them, but it's never your job to offer that up to anybody else. So the rule to live by here is be courageous even when you're in the minority. <laughs> I love it. Hey, guys, make sure you head on over to my website at menandarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters, and that's a great resource for you. And as you heard in our hero story earlier today, make sure you click the Join Our Program button get on one of our teams. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.